0: Um, So, what I'm doing today is, this message is kind of two things. It is a continuation of the series, Once I Met Jesus, because we're still in that series, but it's also the final message for our students at Big Huge Weekend. I'm letting you guys peek in at our final session for Big Huge Weekend. See, these guys have spent this incredible weekend listening to guest speakers, um, and we've heard sermons about joining the family of God. We talked about um, the plan of God how man fell. We talked about our need for a savior. Then my wonderful, amazing, beautiful wife, Deja, delivered a message Saturday morning about prayer. And um, my, my good friend, Trent Watts, um, Dakota preached the first message. Trent Watts preached last night. Um, and he preached about discipleship. And what you may be thinking is, Baylor, that's not very theologically deep of you. I thought you were gonna bring our kids out there and you were gonna really unpack. But a metaphor that I've been using um, this whole time. So the theme is movement over the moment. Someone say the movement over the moment. The movement over the moment. And, and so I think a lot of times as Christians, we overcomplicate things. Trent said something amazing last night that, that the, uh, the simplest answer is usually the right one. And this metaphor that I've been using all weekend is, we have this toolbox as Christians, right? It's called the Christian toolbox. And, and we open it up, but we often neglect to use the tools. The wives in the house know How many of you wives have a husband who loves to buy tools and then put them in a shed or put them in a toolbox and then never use them? I know some guys in here do that, because I do that. Um, But there, there are these tools like prayer, our Bible, our Sunday service church, our community groups, our connect groups, but often we neglect those tools. I mean, if I, I'm not gonna make you do this, but if I said, hey, raise your hand if you read your Bible every single day, I am willing to bet maybe, maybe a quarter of us would raise our hands. If I were to ask you, do we? Pray, how many of you pray every single day, excluding your meal prayers, I guarantee you 25 to 50% of people would raise their hand. We often neglect these tools that we have. And the idea is we don't want, the, the idea of the movement over the moment is identifying these simple kind of at the roots principles of Christianity and getting stronger in them. I, 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 it was something that we really talked about is Jesus walked by all the scholars whenever he was picking his disciples. Jesus walked by the Pharisees. Jesus walked by the Sadducees. Instead, he selected men, and I believe this was strategic, that were considered lower class and uneducated. People that weren't prideful, people that were humble, and people that could understand the simplicity of the gospel without making it about all the details, without overcomplicating it. And something that I wanted to get across to our students this weekend, and something that I hope you understand too, is Jesus turned the world upside down with fishermen and working class. He didn't need the geniuses. He didn't need the people of high authority. Jesus needed a humble heart, to deliver his message, and those 12 men started the greatest movement of all time. And so our goal for this weekend is to to first of all solidify that in our hearts. And I hope that as as older people, as more mature believers, you you understand some of these principles that we talked about, if not, I would love to talk to you about them. Um, So as we enter into this final message for Big Huge Weekend, we've laid that foundation of the fact that Jesus isn't just nice to us, we need him. Our default position is hell. Our default position is the wrath of God. But Jesus made a way even though we rejected him. So we covered that. Then we talked about prayer, how, and Deja, I love this point that you made. Um, the people that you're closest to are the people you spend the most time with, right? Like, duh, like every, so so, how much time are we spending with Jesus in prayer and the word? And then discipleship, This this idea that, believing in Jesus is different than following Jesus. James tells us that even the demons believe, and they shudder. So if you believe that Jesus exists, congratulations, you're about as good as a demon. (laughs) That's what James says. Following is greater than believing, amen? So our final message for Big Huge Weekend, and continuing our Sunday series, Once I Met Jesus, ties everything together with a simple word, evangelism. Somebody say evangelism. Now, this is a word we throw a lot around in church, um, and did you know it's not actually in the Bible? The word evangelism isn't in the Bible. It's one of those words that the early church put together based on the beliefs of the Bible. So this is based on Scripture, the same way this word is, same way our mission statement is, to love God, connect with others, and reach the world. See, Jesus gave this mission the last time that he met his disciples. That's how I tied it in once I met Jesus, by the way. The last time that Jesus met with his disciples, before he ascended, he gave them this thing called the Great Commission. Someone say the Great Commission. See, this was the last time that they met Jesus. And after they met Jesus, they were never the same. He changed their lives forever and he gave them an incredible purpose. Something that as disciples of Christ were commanded to do by our Lord. All right, and we're going to break that down, but first let's pray. Father, as we enter into this last sermon for Big Huge Weekend, as we enter into this, this continuation of once I met Jesus, Lord, I pray for your people that they will understand what you have to say to them, God, that they will let it minister to their hearts, and that we will become a more evangelistic church as a result of today's message. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... All right, so evangelism. Like I said, it's not a word that's found in the Bible, but it's directly related to actions commanded by our Lord. Um, evangelism, the, de- the dictionary definition is the act of discussing the gospel with the intention of sharing the message and teachings of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's kind of our simple, that, 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 if you look this up on Google, that's what it'll say. So the gospel... Our, so, so evangelism is sharing the gospel, and the gospel, kind of what we've talked about, is simply the good news that despite our brokenness, despite our rejection of God, he still made a way for us. So evangelism is sharing that, trying to get other people saved after you become saved so that they can become adopted children of God. So this, before we move on, um, at the end of service, you'll have an opportunity to ask Jesus to transform you. And, and I want to make it clear that before we really dig into this, that this is the most important thing about your life. Whether or not you follow Jesus is the most important thing in your life, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it or not. If you're in here today, um, your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing um, in your life. It's more important than your kids. Um, It's more important than your brothers and your sisters. It's more important than your wife or your husband. It's more important than your career It's more important than the college that you're going to to, go to, the sport that you're in. Jesus is the most important thing in the universe, amen? God is the answer, and Christianity is the answer to everything. And we have this incredible gift, and what, what I want to tell you today as kind of the thesis of this message is we cannot keep this to ourselves. We cannot take our get out of hell free card and sit with it. That's not what our Lord has commanded us to do. In fact, every single person in here as a Christian has a biblical mandate to evangelize, to spread the gospel. In Matthew 28 and 18 to 20, that's where we're kind of kind of sit with. It's one of the most powerful passages of scripture. Um, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, what? Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What does it say after that? Teach. Teach these new disciples to obey how many of the commands? All the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Yes, he is, amen. So the first thing I want to mention is Jesus makes it clear, and I kind of hit this a couple seconds ago, evangelism is not an option for the Christian. Jesus doesn't say, if you're really outgoing, if you're extroverted, if you enjoy talking to people, if you feel like it, all right, you'll be the evangelist. Jesus didn't say, okay, those of you who want to evangelize of, of the 11 left, stand over here, and those of you who just want to work behind the scenes, stand over here. Jesus didn't give them that option. Instead, he calls all of his disciples to be evangelism. So he simply says, he says, I, Jesus, have the authority. Now go. Somebody say go. The good news is this verse and supporting scriptures, they make it truly easy for us to understand how to evangelize. With the remainder of my time, I'm going to talk to you about how we evangelize. Let's break it down into two concepts on how we can evangelize to people based on the Great Commission. First of all, following Jesus' teachings and example. Your life... Is an act of evangelism. Did you hear that? Your life is an act of evangelism. In order to evangelize to others, we first have to have that relationship with God ourselves. Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He's saying, I have permission to tell you this. If you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna be my disciple, listen to this. He says, and he says, I have the authority, now go. Somebody say, go. You're gonna say go a lot today. How could we spread the gospel if we don't live it and if we can't explain it? How? You can't, right? You can't. If You, you can't explain something that you don't understand. It's so important that we follow Christ, that we are disciples of Christ in order to share that with others. 1 Peter 3 and 15 says, but even... If you should suffer for righteousness' sake, so even if you suffer as the result of following Christ, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, those that persecute you, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, what? Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a what? Defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Be, Be ready to talk about being saved. If I walk up to you and I say, what does it mean to receive salvation. As Christians, we're called to be able to answer that. How can you share the gospel if you don't even understand it? Having a good conscience so that you, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Saying, don't just understand the gospel, live the gospel. Live like you have been transformed because you have been transformed. And I love that it says, honor Christ as Lord. Acknowledge God. Serve Jesus and his commands as if he is your King and Lord, because if you're a Christian, he is, amen? He's not just your Savior, Jesus is your Lord. Because um, I know your Bible, First Peter tells us to know our Bibles well enough that we can give an answer. So if someone asks you, why are you a Christian? Or how do I become a Christian? I just want you to think in your own mind, could I answer that? If if, if if a colleague, if a, if a classmate, if someone walked up to me and they were like, hey, I noticed that you live differently. What's different? What's different about you? Why are, why are you different than others? Well, I'm a Christian. Okay, what does that mean? How do I become a Christian? How do we become different like that? Do you have an answer? Think that in your mind. Do I have an answer? Um, obey the Bible's command so that people can't speak ill of you with validity is what we learned from First Peter. People don't, People don't care what you have to say if you aren't living it out. If you're a hypocrite, no one's gonna listen to you anyway. You're, you're being a bad representation of Christ. So what we've gotta learn is that we've gotta follow Jesus first. Tell someone to follow Jesus first. Tell your second choice, I really mean it, follow Jesus. Man, this is something I got wrong all through, all through high school, my first couple years of college. I was so good at getting people to church. I was so good at talking to people about Jesus. I I, I had this 98 Toyota Land Cruiser. Man, I missed that thing. Um, I, I 98 Toyota Land Cruiser. It sat eight, and so every Wednesday, I would just walk around Shawnee High School. Hey, you wanna come to church? Hey, you wanna come to church? Hey, you wanna come to church? Every single Wednesday, that, that thing was full. I was really good at it but I wasn't living like Christ. My evangelism was empty. I, I, was, I was cussing, I was not being a good representation of Christ to people, I was sinning actively, and especially in college, I was partying, I was, I, I was, I was doing stuff that I wasn't supposed to, and, and what I wanna tell you is, before we start talking to people like Jesus, we have to make an effort to live like Jesus. That doesn't mean we're perfect. That doesn't mean we do everything right every single time. But to live in an active role of repentance is what we have to do. Faith Co. students, I explained this to you guys a little bit. If you guys don't know, repentance doesn't mean to say I'm sorry. That's not what repentance means. Repentance means that I'm walking one way, I stop, acknowledge that I'm going that way, pull an about face, and go the other way. That's what repentance means. Repentance isn't, I'm sorry, God. Repentance is, Father, I sinned, I messed up, forgive me, make straight my paths. That's what repentance is. So, as Christians, we're called to live in repentance. Not perfection, but repentance. So, we've got to get that down first. And this is where I really want to spend most of my time today. um, To go and make Disciples. Tell someone go on get. Go on, get. Therefore, what? Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all know the Bible wasn't written in English? Y'all know that? Okay, alright. So the word go, it comes from a Greek word poryo amahei. Somebody say, Poryo Amahe. Poryo Amahe. So this is a word that means, it doesn't just mean go, it's the act of going. It means to go. And, and it comes from a word that isn't just about leaving a place and going to another destination. It's about carrying something. It's about transporting something this word to go doesn't just mean i walk into a field towards another destination it means that while i go i have cargo i'm transporting something and that's i know that we had a dictionary definition this is the definition that i want you to have for evangelism based on the greek translation evangelism is transporting the gospel from my life to the lives of others that's what evangelism is. Evangelism isn't just discussing, it's literally as your life exists, it exists to spread the gospel. It exists to be a part of the movement. We don't get caught up in the moment. We don't just say a prayer, and get, our, get out of hell free card and sit down. We're a part of a movement, not a moment. We're not a part of the moment of Sunday morning church. We're a part of the movement of the unified body of believers. Whenever we become Christians, but how, Baylor? How do I do it? How do I evangelize to people? I, I understand, I get it, I need to evangelize. I, you've got me. But I, I don't know how. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a little shy, I don't know. I, how do I do it? Well, first of all, as I said earlier, your life needs to be an act of evangelism. You will reveal to others the gospel in your action and speech. Um, in Acts 4, and I'm not gonna read it today, but it's a long story, please go home and read Acts 4. It's this amazing story of the apostles, John and Peter, and they get thrown in jail because they won't shut up about Jesus. So, so the obvious solution is put them, put them in jail. Then they'll shut up. And what do they do in jail? Do they sit and they wallow? Do they, do they feel sorry for themselves? Do they sit and wait for their salvation? Did you hear that? Do they sit and wait for their salvation? Do they wait for Jesus to save them? No, they get the whole whole jail saved. They get the whole jail saved. And my question for you is, what if you were like that? My question for us is, what if we were like that? What 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 if we would go into the jails? What if we would go into the prisons? What if we would go to the places where no one else was going and get a bunch of people saved? What if? Perhaps... Jesus has you where you are so that you can go. Somebody say go. What if we went to other countries? What if we did anything that we could do to evangelize? What if we didn't make, try to make evangelism convenient for us and conducive for our lives? What if we followed the Lord's command to go? Our job as a church body and as individuals is to lead people to Christ, it's to become a disciple ourselves and it's then to make disciple-making disciples, amen? Every person in here, it's not a suggestion but a biblical mandate for us to share the gospel and to bring people into the body of believers, to the church. Then we make disciples. And at Faithco, like I said, we're committed to making not just disciples but disciple-making disciples. That's why PT and I, we're the, we're the, we're the two pastors at this church, right? We shouldn't be leading every connect group. You guys should. You guys should be leading your own connect group, or at least be a part of one for now, and prepare to lead one so that when you bring people to church, when new people come to know Christ, you're ready to make a disciple making disciple. Amen? That's what we're called to do. How do we do that? Very, very easy. Jesus does not overcomplicate things for us. He says, simple, teach them to obey my commands. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't come down to knowing the Bible back and forth. It's about an active effort to know God better and to serve him well. That's how we teach people. We teach people to read their Bibles. I can't, listen, you could give me 24 hours and I could sit with you and not break down all the rich theology of the Bible, right? That's a joy that we get as believers as we mature to understand it better and better. But the gospel itself, having a relationship with Jesus, was never meant to be complicated. It's simple, it's simple to teach people. Hand them a Bible and tell them to read the book of John. That's how you make a disciple making disciple. Read these words, hey, you're new to the faith, or let me tell you about Jesus. let me tell you about my Jesus, anyway, um, Bible, you you give them a Bible, and you say, read the book of John, and let Jesus speak for himself, you check in on them every now and then, hey, I gave you that Bible, you've been reading through the book of John, what are you getting out of it, and you help them understand it better, we overcomplicate this so much, and I just want to sit here for a second and remind you: it's not just on the pastors, but every Christian should be sowing into other Christians. If you are a believer, you are called to sow into other Christians. Whether it's whether it's your generation or the next generation, the Book of Proverbs tells us that iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. I want you to think about for a second: Am I sharpening anyone? Am I sharpening anyone in their faith? I show up to church, I get sharpened by the, by the preaching and teaching. Um, maybe I serve, like maybe I'll, maybe I'll greet or whatever, but am I actively engaging in a mentorship role with someone? And you might feel unqualified to do that, but I, like I just said, hand someone a Bible and have them read the book of John. And you're mentoring and discipling them. The best discipleship tool that we can use is to point people to Jesus, amen? That's what we've gotta do. If you are not sharpening someone, fix it. Start sharpening someone. It's that easy. Find find one of these 25 students and talk to them about this weekend. Hey, my name is Joe. Nice to meet you, nice to meet you. And they're a little awkward, they're a little shy. They're gonna go, you're gonna walk up to them and you're gonna say hi and they're gonna go. Because that's what they do. But just walk up to them, shake their hand, meet them, What did you get out of this weekend? What was your favorite part of this weekend? What was your favorite sermon this weekend? What was your favorite point this weekend? You're already on path to be discipling people better than you were yesterday. Are you mentoring, holding others accountable, sharing your time and mind and heart with the like-minded believers at Faithco? Are you serving and sowing into the next generation or even your own generation? We also, as the scripture says, we need to encourage others all believers to be baptized. Um, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the theology of baptism. Um, we're doing that next week. If you want more information about baptism, come talk to me. Um, just what I want to tell you is baptism isn't what makes you saved, but every Christian should be baptized. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. If you want to talk more about that, come talk to me after. But if you are a Christian and you haven't been baptized, you should get baptized. Come talk to us at FaithCo Info. We're baptizing people next week. This is some really good timing. Now, um, so I kind of talked a little bit about how we evangelize, but maybe you're here and you're sitting and you're thinking, especially these guys, maybe you're thinking, Baylor, I'm 12. Baylor, I'm 16. Baylor, I got saved last month. I couldn't even, I, I don't even know how I would evangelize. And I never want to leave you guys without, without some practical stuff, right? I, I don't want get, to get you like, okay, I do need to evangelize. Um, I'm inspired to, I want to. All right, everyone, have a good week. I wanna give you guys some practical steps. So I'm, I'm gonna break down, and my ankle is killing me, so let me just grab this. I'm gonna I'm gonna break down some practical ways that we can evangelize. The first thing is, and the, and the best thing is, if you're capable, is to have a gospel conversation um, after forming a personal connection. So what does that mean? That means you tell someone about Jesus. You talk to them about their need for a savior. You tell them what Jesus did for them, and you lead them to that place. Um, and that sounds intimidating, right? For some of us, it's, I mean, it's not intimidating for the extroverts like me. We're like, give me a script and I'll go. But for the introverts, you might be like, I can hardly get a sentence out with a stranger. I don't know what to do about that. So there's this really awesome app that I've had a lot of our students download called the Life on Mission app. I know it's on the iTunes store. I'm not sure if it's on the other stores, but um, what it does is it's designed for missionaries or for people like you and I to put a phone down and guide people through the conversations and there are visual aids. It's really incredible. I've been through it. I, I, I am, you know what? If you don't have like a warm and fuzzy feeling about explaining the gospel to someone, I just recommend that you download this app because it, it'll help you and train you to have these gospel conversations, hopefully to the point where you won't even need it anymore. Um, the next thing is invite them to church. Um, inviting people to church is a really good way to evangelize to people because one, it makes people feel wanted. And second of all, it allows the teachers of the Bible to teach the Bible. Um, you got, I, there are a lot of people in here who I respect their theology like crazy, their relationship with God like crazy. But here's the thing, Pastor Travis and I's full long careers are studying the word. We, we, we make our livelihood on knowing our Bibles. And so let us let us evangelize. Let us do that. We, we may not be able to bring your colleagues. We might, we might not be able to bring your friends, but we can preach to them. We can teach them about the Bible. And a big thing that we say around uh, the church is don't say people's no for them. Tell someone, don't say people's no for them. What that means is I give people the chance to say yes. I don't say, oh, Joe has church hurt. He won't wanna go to church with me. I don't say that. The worst thing that can happen is someone says no, right? Right? The worst that they can say is, I don't really want to do that. Okay, we're back to square one. So so invite them to church. Then if, if the church is intimidating to them, this is especially true for people with church hurt, right? They were negatively affected by a church. Invite them to your connect group. This has certain connotations that some people are kind of burnt on, and they need to slowly transition back into this, and that's not because the church, that's not because the church is evil, that's because some people misuse the church, right? The church in its, the church in its um, righteousness is exactly what God intends it to be, but there are some people who need to transition into a time of going to church again, so a great opportunity is to invite people to your connect group. Have those conversations, have that fellowship with them, um, slowly transition into a place where you lead them closer to that. And what do you think you have to do to invite someone to your connect group? What? Ask them, yeah, but before you can ask them to be in your connect group, what do you have to have? A connect group, right? So you might not start a connect group, but I believe everyone in here is called for Christian fellowship. Everyone in here is called to be a part of the church in a more intimate role than just showing up once a week on a Sunday morning. So be a part of a connect group, whether it's Faith Co. Women, whether it's Devoted Grind, whether it's the men's ministry that we have, whether it's Bike Night, whatever that looks like, come talk to us at Faith Co. Info and join a connect group or start your own so that you can invite people. This is a big one. Go on a mission trip slash serve your community. You know, we're really blessed to where to live where we live. I know that I know that a lot of us have complaints about it, but we can follow Jesus freely. And we have, we have awesome technology. We have the Bible translated into our language. Did you know the Bible isn't translated into every language yet? So so when there's an opportunity for a mission trip, when there's an opportunity to go into a place that isn't near as reach. In America, our problem is kind of convincing people that yeah, it's not really enough to just say, I'm a Christian, you actually have to serve Christ. We're kind of pushing more towards a post-church society. So we, we, there are churches on every block, but there are very few people who follow Jesus. We're very blessed in that we have full resources and just about everyone knows the name of Jesus. But there are places in the world where people have never even heard the name of Jesus. And this is, a, this is an extreme time where some of us will go on a mission trip. So you can go on a mission trip or you can support a mission trip. But also, a more practical way to do that is to serve your community. There's a, there's a place down the, down the street on, I can't remember what street it's on, it's called Potawatomi Community Market, where you can go and volunteer, and they have a store for those who are less fortunate. And there are all kinds of, I mean, nonprofits in Shawnee, the Boys and Girls Club, stuff like that. And what you can do is you can create, through blessing someone, a personal connection. I love what Pastor Travis said a couple weeks ago about creating a personal correction, personal connection before we have a gospel conversation. Um, here's a big one. Don't compartmentalize your faith to Sundays. Live it out. Your life should be a testimony of the gospel. Amen? Not just on Sundays, but every single day. In your job. At your school, your life should be a testimony of the gospel. And one last thing, and this isn't really a way to evangelize. It's just a helpful tip. Get curious, not comfortable. christian um, Christianese is awesome, right? We love terms like sanctification, um, refinement. We, we like to be theology nerds and learn more about God. But it's not helpful, at least on the base, at least in the initial connection of evangelism. That comes more up in discipleship. So whenever you have these conversations, let's try to pull back on Christianese, and in addition to that, let's get curious. Let's not get mad at people because they don't receive the gospel well initially. People have reasons, people have trauma, people, people might have misunderstandings or misconceptions. What, I mean, if you just ask someone who's an atheist, why don't, why don't you follow Jesus? You can get thousands of answers stemming from, stemming from something happened to me when I was little, to that silly and stupid. You know what I mean? We've got to in order to effectively evangelize to people, we have to see where they're coming from. We have to figure out why they believe what they believe and not engage in an apologetics debate, but instead recognize where they are and to be able as first peter says to give an answer. Not get mad at them, not 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 get upset with them, not storm out. No, we're called we're not even called to shut up and walk away. We're called to be able to talk to them about our faith. So those are just some practical things. And I'm I'm about to wrap up, Tech Booth, if you guys, I'm about to close. Um, I want to let you know, and Pastor Travis has talked about this, we can't reach the entire world by ourselves. One Christian, I'm sorry, you just don't have the time, energy, or resources to have a gospel conversation with everyone. But you do have time to reach one. Amen? You have time to reach one. I'm busy. I'm busy. Jesus couldn't catch a break. I mean, Jesus couldn't catch a moment of personal time. He had to disappear. He had to sneak off in order to get time by himself. Don't tell me that you don't have enough time. And I'm talking to me. I, I all the time I said to myself, I really don't have time to do that. No, you make time. Why? Because our Lord commanded us to. You have time to reach one over the next year. What if you just focused on one person, one individual? Well, I got him saved in three months. We'll go to the next one. But what if you spent one year not giving up on someone? I don't want to go to church. You'll never see me step foot in a church. Okay, that's fine, man. That's fine, man. I, I, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. I want to talk to you about the way that he's changed my life. Just don't give up on someone for one year. See what God does. Pray for them every day. Take five minutes out of your day. Pray for them every day. Check in on them. Talk to them. Find a reach one. In your mind right now, think of someone. Think of someone who you know. Maybe they're at your job. Maybe they're at your school. I don't know. Maybe they're on your team. I, I don't know. But think of one person. Romans 10 and 14 is one of the, I believe, saddest verses in the Bible. It, it's kind of encouraging and inspiring, but it reveals the other side of things that just really breaks my heart. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Let's, let's reverse engineer this verse you're blessed when you go. Blessed are those who spread the good news. But how are you guys gonna tell people about Jesus unless someone sends you? Guess what? I'm sending you. This week I'm sending you to go tell someone about Jesus or to at least start that process. And how are they gonna hear without you telling them? How are they gonna hear their need for a savior unless somebody, you, tells them? because they can't believe in him if they don't hear about him, amen? See, faith, it comes from hearing. It comes from hearing the word of God. It comes from reading the word of God. Jesus is the one that transforms. He's called us to share. He's called us to put people in a position where they can begin a relationship with him. And in a perfect world, in a perfect world, everyone would come to church organically, And pastors would be perfect, and we would, and we we would minister to people, and they would understand and they would become saved. Their first Sundays, but we don't live in a perfect world, right? People don't just come to church organically, and when they do, there's human error involved. And what I want to tell you today is that Jesus has a plan to save the world, and it's you. Tell someone it's you, you're the plan. You're Jesus' plan to save the world. And you aren't just at your school to get good grades. You just aren't at your job to make money and provide. God has you there as an agent. God has you there in your, in your career as a missionary. Yes, you're there so that you can provide for your family. Yes, you're there so you can get a good a good education or whatever. But what you're really there for is to glorify God with your life and to share the gospel. And that verse in Romans Paul is asking rhetorical questions. He's saying, "How can people find Jesus?" And I want this to break your heart. I want this to break your heart as you think of those that maybe and I'll put myself on this. I'll put myself on this. Those that I failed those that I was too lazy, too busy, too distracted to evangelize to. Because how are they supposed to hear unless I go? You might be someone's only encounter with Jesus, man of God, woman of God. You might be their only chance. And when that moment comes, when it's time to give a defense, when it's time to give a response, will you be ready in your words Will you be ready in your actions? How can people find Jesus if they've never heard of Jesus? And how will they hear of Jesus if the people of God aren't ready? If we rely on Pastor Travis and Pastor Baylor and the staff to get people saved, how will people come to know Jesus? How will people at your job or at your school come to know Jesus? It's simple. They can't. They won't come to know Jesus. You're God's plan to reach that person. He's telling us. He's not asking. He's not suggesting, but telling us to tell people about Jesus because you might be their only chance to encounter him. You know, there's there's a very similar passage in Mark that's not near as popular, and I believe it's because it reveals as the Great Commission, it's the Great Commission, but this one doesn't get cited as much, and I believe it's because it talks about the other side of things. It's a little sadder, it's a little more harrowing. Mark 16 and 15 to 16 says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be what? Condemned. If you don't know what that means, that means you're gonna be separated from God you're going to spend eternity in torture, and you're going to hell. That's what condemned means. I'm telling you right now, be the reason someone isn't condemned. Right now, in this place, I want this to break your heart. There are people who are condemned in your sphere of influence, There are people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Our default position is hell. That's what we deserve. But Jesus has saved you, and how dare you and how dare I keep that to ourselves? How dare we not share the gospel? You were condemned. You deserved eternal separation from God. Jesus made a way for you anyway so that you would spread that way to others. Amen? I don't want to be abrasive, but that's the truth. People are going to hell if you don't do something. That's what's going to happen. If you don't if you don't start evangelizing, there are people that are going to go to hell and not go to heaven with Jesus. And you could make the difference if you were just obedient. Your friends, maybe your family who aren't Christians, God has put you in a position where you could reach them. And my question for you today, my last question for you is will you? I've done my job. I've revealed to you the truth. Will you reach the lost? Will you reach the broken? Will you find your reach one? Will you stop playing Christian and start being Christian? Will you stop believing in evangelism and start actually evangelizing? Will you do that? And I wanna make one more thing clear. Just the way, I'm not responsible for you guys evangelizing. I'm not gonna go up to heaven if you didn't evangelize and God's gonna be like, hey, uh, 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 Beth didn't, Beth didn't evangelize. She didn't listen to your message. You're in trouble for that. That's not what's gonna happen. I get held accountable for what I teach and what I reveal. In that same way, you aren't responsible for saving your each one. You're responsible for sharing the gospel with them. They've gotta take those steps to become more like Christ, but your job is to spread it and to share it. And not everyone's gonna like it. Some people won't understand it. They won't accept it. Some people told me to leave them alone when I told them to hop in my 98 Land Cruiser you aren't responsible for that. You're responsible for the sharing. So whether it's sitting down and having gospel conversations or bringing them to church with you, every single person in here is called to evangelize. Amen? All right, let's pray together, guys. Lord, we come before you today and we love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We worship you. And, and Lord, let us take this to heart. Let us find a reach one and let us have those conversations. Let us be sharers of the gospel. Let us accept this responsibility and let us go. Let us be missionaries in every situation in our lives. One more prayer, guys. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've been evangelized to today and you don't understand everything, I promise you it's not a sin to misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with not knowing everything. There's nothing wrong with having a, a lack of theological knowledge. No, what Jesus wants is a relationship with you. He'll develop your mind. He'll develop your theology. He'll develop that relationship. What he wants today is your heart. So if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, or maybe maybe you said a prayer a long time ago, you didn't really know what it meant. You just did it because everyone else was doing it. Or maybe you feel like you've really turned away from God. Um, whatever that looks like, if you want to invite Jesus, ask Jesus to come into your heart to transform your spirit, um, and you want the Holy Spirit inside of you to guide you, discern you. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, He is God, and He exists in the hearts and the minds of believers to guide them through their path and make them more like Christ. If that's you today and you want a relationship with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, just put your hand up in the air. I see you. I see you. I see you. Faith Co. Church, no one prays alone. So we're we're all gonna pray this prayer together, Um, whether you're online, whether you're here with us today. um, We're all gonna pray together. And if you are asking God to transform you, I want you to say that prayer and I want you to mean it with all of your heart, all your being. Um, Repeat after me, guys. Lord, I ask you today to come into my heart and change my life. I will serve you, God. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, transform me. Be inside me and guide me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, let's celebrate those.